Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David. And as promised, I am back with another episode this week, um, partly to make up for the fact that I was gone for quite a while without posting anything, and also to give an episode that might be a little bit more fun to listen to than me uh, ranting about initiation. So um, I do apologize if that was not an episode that you found particularly enjoyable, but um, as someone who is a student of witchcraft and is also um, a scholar of religious studies, some of those things uh, get me heated pretty easily, and I did want to share my thoughts on that. So I appreciate you bearing with me. And Today, I'm going to talk about the traditions of witchcraft. Um, a friend of mine, Jay Gravatt, was on a Q&A episode with me a few months back, and we did briefly mention some traditions of witchcraft, but we didn't really elaborate much on what those are and kind of what they do. Um, it was more of in a like rapid-fire kind of way, because I believe it was in response to a Q&A question. So we listed several different traditions, just kind of briefly went through their names. We didn't really get super in-depth. So I would like to take the time to do that right now. So uh, the first tradition I would like to talk about is the Minoan Brotherhood. Um, but before I get into that, I'm going to kind of briefly explain once again as a reminder um, what traditions mean in this context. So you can kind of think of traditions in witchcraft as being similar to denominations and Christianity or schools of Buddhism, for example. Um, there's many different kinds. Probably the ones I've discussed the most on Magic in the Moon have been the Alexandrian and Gardnerian traditions of Wicca. Um, but there are also many forms of traditional witchcraft that are not Wiccan at all. And I think it would be fun to kind of change it up and talk about some of those. Um, disclaimer as well, before I get into this, um, I'm not an initiate of these traditions. So I'm not speaking to anything that uh, I've experienced firsthand because I have not. And as you know, with most forms of traditional witchcraft, there's a lot of oath-bound material. And there's only so much you can really learn um, before being an initiate yourself. So this is going to be describing the traditions in a outer court general information that's available to the public kind of way. Anybody could find this stuff online. This isn't like a secret or uh, anything that's not supposed to be shared. So I do just want to say that. Okay, so the Minoan tradition. The Minoan Brotherhood is a men's initiatory tradition of witchcraft, celebrating life, men loving men, and magic in a primarily Cretan context, also including some Aegean and ancient Near Eastern mythology. Edmund Bozinski founded the tradition in 1975 in New York City, and he was an elder of the Gardnerian and New York Welsh traditions of Wicca, and a founding elder of the Wicca tradition. He was also a student of archaeology, having studied at Hunter College and at Bryn Mawr's Classical Studies Department prior to his death. So the Minoan Brotherhood was founded as a response to the heterosexist culture of most forms of traditional witchcraft that was prevalent in the 1970s. These traditions believe that due to the inherent polarity of nature, magic must be performed between a man and a woman, and any group that works without this balance is doomed to fail. This encouraged a homophobic attitude in many of the groups of the time. The rare group that sometimes welcomed gay men only did so as long as they upheld the polarity rights of the tradition that they were practicing, and for many, this was uncomfortable and maybe even impossible. Many groups refused to work with gay men under any circumstances. 
So Eddie worked his way through the training of the Gardnerian tradition, and upon his elevation to the third degree, he used his work and his original traditions, coupled with his knowledge of and research into ancient civilizations, to develop a tradition that celebrates the unique magic possible between men who love men. The Minoan Brotherhood is primarily a tradition for gay and bisexual men. However, it is open to any male of legal age who is free to pursue his own method of working of the current of power within the Minoan Brotherhood. For those who do, the door is always open and has been since the founding of the tradition. The Minoan Brotherhood is a male path. However, another aspect of the Minoan tradition is the, uh, the Minoan Sisterhood, and it is designed to provide a framework for women to practice in a similar setting, although an all-female one. The Minoan Sisterhood began in 1976. At that time, a small group of priestesses in the Wicca tradition began working with materials devised by Eddie Bozinski, Lady Rhea of Magical Realms, and Lady Miosekmet of Enchantments, both in New York City, used this material as the basis for building the women's mysteries and formed the basis of the Minoan Sisterhood. Their work resulted in the founding of the first grove of the Minoan Sisterhood in New York City. The Sisterhood is open to any woman and emphasizes women's mysteries. The Minoan Brotherhood and Sisterhood are sibling paths of the Minoan tradition, each one with its own mysteries and rites. A third path within the Minoan tradition is the Cult of Rhea, also called the Cult of the Double Axe, and this represents a meeting ground between the two traditions. This third path is a cooperative endeavor between the working Minoan Brotherhood and Sisterhood elders, participating in its expression and involves the form and function they wish to use to achieve their purpose in coming together. The Cult of Rhea represents the coming together in the Sabbaths or festivals of the year of both branches of the tradition. It should be noted that there is another path in the New York area that claims lineage to the Minoan tradition. This path refers to itself as the Minoan Fellowship and has formed an organization in New York called the Minoan Temple. Despite any assertions made to the contrary, this is not part of the Minoan tradition as it was created by Eddie Bozinski, Lady Musekmet, and Lady Rhea, and it should not be confused as such by anyone truly interested in the Minoan Brotherhood or Sisterhood. So the Minoan Brotherhood is a mystery tradition employing the three degrees of initiation and elevation. It serves to mark varying levels of responsibility and involvement with the mysteries. Their covens are called groves and are run by Aminos of the third degree, occasionally in partnership with a server or kuros. Membership is by initiation, and they trace their lineage back to Eddie Bozinski, also called Lord Gwydion. After the third degree, an individual is empowered to assume the role of Minos of a new grove. Groves function autonomously within the framework of the laws of the tradition. The Minoan Brotherhood does not proselytize for new members, and it maintains its mysteries and rites in secret. The central teachings, through the continued scholarship of its members, are included as well. Working within a Gardnerian-influenced framework, the Minoan tradition blends elements of pre-Doric Aegean mythology, primarily Cretan and Mycenaean, the ancient Near East, and traditional witchcraft with the wealth of knowledge which has been made available to them through the years of work, research, experimentation, and inspiration of their elders. A strong current of queer spirituality influences their practice. Working with tools and their uses are similar to traditional witchcraft, but are also unique to their particular path. They honor the gods of the Minoan culture, primarily through the forms of the Great Mother and her Divine Son. 
They celebrate their rites at 13 full moons and the eight festivals of the Wheel of the Year. The Brotherhood initiates work magic together in groves, in couples, or alone. Meetings are traditionally sky-clad or ritually naked, and their full moon rituals for initiates are only. They are not welcome to the public that are not initiated. And those meetings are dedicated to the working of magic and spiritual development, and their festivals are rooted in Aegean cycles and myths and are largely celebratory. Their rites, like many other paths of traditional witchcraft, can be sexually charged and are decidedly homoerotic. Initiates are encouraged to study sex magic and eroticism. Of course, no one is expected to do anything non-consensual. However, people that are uncomfortable with nudity and homoeroticism may not be suited for the tradition. Sexual mysticism is a key element of the tradition, and so initiates are constantly developing themselves and their abilities. Mystery traditions keep their rites secret to preserve the impact for seekers and to preserve the power of the tradition. When awe is reduced to a sales pitch and enlightenment becomes a commodity on a store shelf, the magic is drained from the life and the world. Secrecy works to preserve the sacredness and the wonder of the spiritual quest. The Brotherhood is available to those who choose to apply themselves to the path of study and evolution. Magic and its associated mental discipline can be used to harm as much as it can be used to heal or to create beauty. Dedication to the path of study and evolution helps the student become properly prepared to work with the energies of magic that affect the psyche and the environment. One must use fire correctly for it to be a constructive force. So similarly, shrouding the tools and the rites behind the veil of initiation works to ensure the safety of the student and assures that only persons with appropriate ethical grounding, maturity, and commitment are given potentially dangerous esoteric knowledge. As in other mystery traditions, Minoan instructors function as guides and gatekeepers in this process. One cannot become a Minoan brother without being taught by an appropriate teacher. Thus, though the brotherhood is accessible to qualified applicants, seekers may need to wait until a qualified instructor is available. But in truth, the mysteries themselves cannot be taught. They must be experienced. They are therefore exposed to the student over time, preparing them to experience the true mystery. A prospective student of the Brotherhood should join the Minoan Seekers list, which I will include in a link in the episode's description, and they can post an introduction of themselves. This will provide the student an appropriate forum in which to learn about available teachers and their requirements and personalities. More detailed information than contained within a simple FAQ will be given within the student-teacher relationship. And you can also check on the Minoan Brotherhood page, which I will link here as well. Each grove in Minos has their own requirements for initiations and elevations, and each has their own areas of emphasis within the craft. A student should get to know potential teachers, and after getting to know the right one, should ask to study with them. Since Minoans do not proselytize, it is the responsibility of the seeker to make their own interests known to the appropriate teacher. So that is from the FAQ page of the Minoan Brotherhood's website, which I will link here, and I will also link their um, student-seeking page as well for those of you that might be interested in the Minoan tradition. So we've talked about that. And let's talk about some other traditions of witchcraft. So as I've said already, um, the Minoan tradition is primarily for men who love men, so gay and bisexual men. 
Um, as to whether or not they include trans people, I don't really know that I'm qualified to answer that question just because, again, I'm not a member of this tradition and I only know what information is available to the general public. Um, from what I have gathered from specific accounts, um, I believe that trans men are welcome, but uh, I was given the disclaimer that due to the nature of how erotic the tradition is, it may cause some discomfort, but I do think that they are welcome. Um, and of course, just like with any coven or grove or tradition, um, covens are autonomous, so you might find some groups that are more welcoming than others. Okay, now let's talk about um, the McFarland Dianic tradition, which is one branch of Dianic witchcraft. Um, there are two main branches. There is one um, called the McFarland branch, and there is the other branch that I will not discuss here because they are openly transphobes, and I and Magic in the Moon do not support transphobia or discrimination of any kind, and I will not be giving them a platform here. So I'm going to give you um, a synopsis of the Dianic tradition that is not transphobic. So um, I'm going to be reading some things of information um, from the McFarland Dianic website, which I will also link in the episode description. And what is now known as the McFarland Dianic tradition began in 1971. At that time, Morgan McFarland, who had been practicing her personal rituals solitary for several years, met Mark Roberts through a mutual friend. Mark was also a solitary practitioner, and he stated to Morgan that he had only practiced within a coven with his first wife into whose family tradition she had initiated him. This meeting and the eventual craft partnership between Morgan and Mark opened doors for both of them for the next few years. Mark introduced Morgan to his many pagan and craft contacts, and Morgan was willing to be a public spokesperson on radio, TV, and in written media for their beliefs. This reciprocity introduced them both to seekers from all over the country who wished training and often camaraderie. It was a valuable alliance for both of them at this point in their lives. It was Mark who pointed out the reference to Dianic cults and Margaret Murray's The Witch Cult in Western Europe. It spoke to Morgan's beliefs and practices, and she adopted it as the overt designation of the tradition, which had to this point never had a name. Morgan said simply from then on that she was a Dianic witch. Because of Morgan's dedication to feminism and work within women's movements, and because her tradition focuses upon the important threefold goddess as the supreme creatrix, the term Dianic had been adopted by others. Some of these have created traditions that are synonymous with women only or radical feminist circles, but which are not McFarland Dianic. This began after a visit to Dallas in the mid-70s by Z. Budapest, who compared her beliefs with Morgan's. It was shortly thereafter that Z too, began to call her tradition Dianic. Although McFarland's Dianic covens espouse feminism as an all-important concept, the exclusion of men from any coven is solely by the choice of its individual high priestess. People of all genders have always been welcome initiates to the old Dianics, a designation used by some to separate the two philosophies. In 1975, Morgan wrote down in ritual form, literally for the first time, her oral traditions and teachings. The rituals and mysteries that the McFarland Dianics continue to copy from each high priestess's book are Morgan's. 
Although Mark has stated in several places that the practice similar rituals when he was the married partner of a priestess of a British traditional family, Morgan was never privy to those rituals and mysteries. Whether or not oaths were taken by Mark, Mark could not and did not initiate Morgan into a coven with which he was no longer affiliated. The coven said that they began was based on Morgan McFarland's mysteries alone. The first Texas Dianic coven was simply Morgan, a maiden, and Mark. As the coven said grew, it became three active covens. The original coven was both men and women. The second was an all-women's coven, and the third originally was made up of partners with children. The last coven was more flexible in the time of day or night that it held its ceremonies and how they presented the initiate's children could be a part of the circle on some occasions. All covens were united with each other of the same mysteries and sometimes by overlapping circles and mutual sharings. From its beginnings, Morgan's coven said of Morgana, the original McFarland Dianic coven said, was meant to train women to become high priestesses who would then build their own circles. These circles were used to be made up eventually of both initiated and Morgana folk and new initiates. Morgana believed that the coven said of Morgana would ultimately be dissolved and become a part of a constantly evolving circle that would maintain the mysteries but more and more diverse in their celebrations. Mark Roberts served as the high priest for Morgan McFarland until early 1977. Their last ritual together was held before the spring equinox that year, and at that time, Mark decided to leave the coven said and to move on to another, more personal path. A year or so earlier, Mark had begun to create a written and mail-order series of lessons for seekers who had no immediate nearby contacts. These lessons were based on the pre-initiatory lessons to the McFarland Dianic Circles. Mark called them Footsteps on a Dianic Path. The original lessons, published by Mark and edited by the priestesses of the Coven Set of Morgana, remain some of the most fundamentally basic neo-pagan learning tools around. They should not, however, since Mark Roberts was their only author, be considered McFarland Dianic. In 1977, when Mark decided to dedicate his life to a new path that he then called Hyperborea, he and Morgan discontinued both their personal and their craft relationships. The coven set of Morgana continued for two more years, joined by over half a dozen descended covens. Morgan retired as of the summer solstice of 1979, turning over the last existing coven of Morgana to other Dianic high priestesses, and then became a solitary once again. In 1999, the decision to set apart our tradition from both the Hyperborean path and from other groups using the designation of Dianic for their more eclectic teachings was made. By naming themselves McFarland Dianics, they declare their participation in the old Dianic beliefs. Still a solitary, Morgan served as an advisor to the McFarland Dianic Council and as the matriarch of the tradition until her passing on Wednesday, the 7th of December, 2015 at 6.40 p.m. So that is some information on the McFarland Dianic tradition. And of course, I will link their website in the episode's description as well. And I think we have time to go over at least one more tradition. Um, so some of these have similar origins. And if you have gathered um, from just this episode and past episodes as well, a lot of these kind of sprung up um, around similar periods of time. But let's now talk about uh, the New York Wicca tradition. So called the Wicca, 
was established as a path of traditional initiatory Wicca by Edmund Bozinski, who also founded the Minoan Brotherhood. Um, only in recent years has this path come to be referred to as New York Wicca. Following his elevation to the third degree within the Kentucky line of the Gardnerian tradition, Gwydion went on to establish a successful Gardnerian coven with his working partner. While maintaining his oaths and a large portion in the Gardnerian core, Gwydion later adapted the Gardnerian system to create a new path of traditional initiatory Wicca. From this, he established the Brooklyn Heights Coven as the first coven of the Wicca. Gwydion had already initiated his first high priestess of the Wicca, Rhea, into the Gardnerian tradition. Rhea's husband at the time, Ammon, had also been initiated into the Gardnerian tradition by Gwydion's previous working partner. Ammon would later initiate Meosekmet, and although Gwydion initiated other high priestesses, Rhea, being the first, is considered the mother of what is now the New York Wicca tradition. Most of those active in the Wicca tradition trace their lineage through one of two high priestesses. Soon, the Brooklyn Heights Coven was renamed the New York Coven of Witches. This is the mother coven of all initiates of the Wicca. The New York Coven of Witches continues to operate today in New York City, with Lady Rhea and Lady Miosekmet remaining as witch queens to the coven, and Lady Bizarro, excuse me, Lori Bizarro serving as the acting high priestess. The Wicca thrived in the New York area with a great number of initiates and covens. Though the Wicca had previously been concentrated in New York City and the New England states, a wonderful growth has seen this path spread further beyond and even found a home in Europe and Asia. Before the arrival of the internet, most people outside of North America were unaware of the existence of the tradition, and many still know very little about this path. It is a branch of traditional initiatory Wicca, which holds to an orthopraxic view and maintains a key set of rituals, circle, initiation, and elevation, and practices that are the core of the tradition. Initiates and covens are strongly encouraged to develop their own expressions of that core, as in the manner that the initiates and covens interpret their own experiences. Therefore, apart from the core, tremendous variety exists within the tradition as far as individual beliefs. A central part of the core is the concept that polarity exists within each of us. Though we emphasize polarity in all working, that polarity need not be based on biology alone. Therefore, in the spirit of inclusivity, with a more developed interpretation of polarity, the elders opted a short time later to incorporate same-sex initiation and working partnership into the praxis as a valid expression of the tradition. A coven may be led by working partners of the opposite sex or the same sex. In the case of a coven being led by two people of the same biological sex, the positions of polarity are assumed between the two of them. A coven led by two individuals of the same sex is considered equally valid as one by led, excuse me, as one led by two people of opposite sex. Transgender and intersex individuals are welcomed by the tradition based on how they identify and the guidance of how each individual coven operates. The core beliefs. They focus on their own craft and dedicate themselves with service, dignity, and love to what they do with little concern about what others think or do. They live to serve their gods, their spirits, and their coven siblings of the craft. They believe that they are all children of the great mother, some are called to live among the hidden children of the goddess, and a few are called to celebrate the mysteries within the path. Each one of us is a thread. It is only in the unity of love do we form the tapestry that reveals a great mother whose presence is in within each of us. The role of priests and priestesses of the tradition is to first serve the deities and spirits, and second to guide, lead, and train the coven. Outside involvement in the community 
is solely the decision of each individual and coven. Because of the historical involvement of the LGBTQ community in the tradition, specifically, many initiates are involved in advocacy for issues concerning the LGBTQ community. As a path of traditional initiatory Wicca, the New York Wicca is lineaged, oath-bound, and a traditional craft system. One can only enter the tradition through initiation. The journey towards initiation depends solely on the coven and the elders leading that coven. However, it does usually require some preparatory lessons and attending an outer court in which rituals will be of a non-oath-bound nature. Above all else, they are witches. The training in and practice of magic and all techniques of witchcraft can certainly find a means of expression within a coven. Traditionally, covens work skyclad, which means ritually nude, though they do follow the traditional core, each elder, coven leader, and others may guide the coven in an autonomous manner. However, they are very celebratory and ecstatic in nature and revel in the artistry of the craft. The commonly known holidays are the turning of the wheel to the celebration of the eight sabbats and the moons. They of the tradition regard love as the law. This is the standard of their conduct. They strive to live their love toward all human beings and nature. Ethics are highly individual and personal processes. From the law of love, they believe that they should be humble. Priestesses and priests of the tradition strive to maintain an attitude of humility. As individuals, they are the points of mystery, and that mystery is within each human being and cannot be dictated from outside of the self. Each coven follows a general core practice of the Sabbaths and the moons. However, each coven also has its unique form of expression, so tremendous variety exists within their own ways of worship. There is only the core, not a rule, of how it is celebrated. A seeker can expect a lengthy meet and greet process prior to a decision on acceptance for training. During this period, a seeker should be able to convey a good knowledge of contemporary paganism and witchcraft. For a suggested reading list, their website provides one, which I will link in the description of the episode. And a candidate should be of adult age and able to demonstrate self-care, personal integrity, and commitment. A candidate can expect to spend approximately five years to complete training. And that is about the length of what I have to say about the New York Wicca tradition, which came from their website, which I will also link in the description. So this has been the Minoan tradition, the Dianic McFarland tradition, and the New York Wicca tradition. I hope you enjoy learning some new things about some paths maybe you weren't super familiar with. I know I enjoyed it as well, and I will see you all next time.